and welcome to the Every Woman podcast. I'm Anna, editor of Every Woman, and every month from January 2018, we'll be bringing you the stories, insights, and opinions of inspiring women in business on a wide range of topics. We'll be asking the questions you want the answers to, and doubtless prompting some more in the process. Today, we'll be talking about how attitudes towards modern family life can empower businesses to work smarter. We'll be doing that with EMEA Director of How Do You Do It, Debs Ingham. Welcome to the studio, Debs. Hi. So, how do you do it? This is obviously the question that we all ask of those juggling work and family life. And perhaps we ask it more of women. I don't know. We'll discuss this later on in the podcast. But the question I want to start off with is, are we asking the wrong people? Should we be asking how businesses can better support their employees instead? Well, I think that's a a really good place to start. And what's interesting is one of the reasons why we are called How Do You Do It is very much about recognising that that emphasis on the word you has a really broad way of interpreting, sort of interpretation. So, for example, there is the individual. So how are you as the working parent making this happen, making it work? Equally, how are you as a manager supporting your working parents and a new person? How are you as the manager able to make that work? And then finally, as an organisation. So it's really thinking about those three levels. So I think you're right that the question doesn't need to be purely directed at at the individual, at the working parent level. It does need to be as all-encompassing as the business also being involved. Absolutely. Uh, Do you feel that traditionally it has because the onus has been on I mean, I keep returning to it being women and we can yeah. discuss this. I know that you do programs for men and women, yes, so this is yeah. really important to, yeah. to move forward. But that the onus has often been on us having to make it all work, mm. which obviously then has an impact on stress, on attrition. I mean, you know, why did you, why is it so, you know, passionate? Why is it, why are you so personally passionate about supporting working parents? What was your impetus for getting, how do you do it? to where it is now? Um, well, interestingly, so the the business was founded 12 years ago and I've been um, working across EMEA for the last five years. Um, and the founder of the business is a woman called Virginia Hurley, who's based out in Australia. And she always says that you design the program that you wish you'd had. And that very much resonates with myself and also the co-director I work with, Claire Hodgson, here in the UK. In that at the time um, when we started our family, my husband and I, we were living abroad. We'd gone abroad with his job, so we'd made that choice. Um, When we returned, I had, I think, a seven-month-old and was looking about, I I knew, I always knew very strongly I wanted to return to work, Um, but actually my priorities had changed and uh, the option of a full-time role and juggling that with a new baby was not the work pattern I was looking for anymore. So interestingly, I suppose when I started the conversation with Virginia about the business coming to the UK and, and across EMEA, it was actually, it resonated very fully. And even though I now have two children who are, you know, both well immersed in primary school, so that much older, it's amazing how it doesn't matter where you are on the parenting journey, that sort of constant looking at how you're going to make work fit with family. It's just a moving (laughs) feast. It's not that it's, you've got it sussed, you've got it sorted. You are constantly having to reevaluate the choices you're making. I mean, do you offer different 
training and different programs for different stages of parenthood? Because you make an interesting point. I mean, having a new, oh, well, come back to work perhaps when your child is 10 months. It's very different to having a child that is five or six and at school and again, a teenager. So are there different priorities that have to be combined and, and how do you sort of separate that out? Well, interestingly, we've always worked with parents who are at any stage of the parenting journey. And I think one of the things we talk particularly about to managers is the fact that it's very easy as an organisation and at that manager sort of level to think that support is all about that return after you first become a working parent and whether that's baby number one, number two or number three um, and thinking I've had the conversation, we've talked about it, tick, done. But actually I think talking to the vast range of parents we've now supported, people will need different levels of support from their organisations at very different points in that journey. Some, I've definitely got examples where you've got um, a working parent who, for them, actually those early years are quite straightforward. They've got, you know, extended childcare, whether that's through, you know, your nursery hours, your nanny, or you've got parents involved and so on. Um, and actually for them, when they want to have more flexibility and more support from the organisation, is maybe actually when they hit the transition to school. It might be um, when they transition into secondary school. It might be exams. It might be that more emotional um, sort of resilience that's required during the teenagers yeah absolutely um so for that that family that they all need flexibility at maybe a different time to the parent who actually finds leaving their child in whatever form of childcare they've got in those early years they find that actually the more testing time for them so it will vary hugely from family to family but as you say it, it's a, it's an ongoing absolutely, process yeah. once you become a parent you're a parent. Absolutely. <laughs> Certainly, it's like the dealing you know, with phase. a dog's not just for Christmas. It's like that. Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> and one of the other things, thinking about that um, sort of the variety of you know support required, when you have a group which you've got participants whose children are at different ages, that can be hugely helpful and supportive for that wider group. So some people, it's about taking the mystique about what's to come. It's also about having somebody being able to say that will change, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel, sort of that reassurance there. Yeah. But equally, you might get somebody who, because they're not in that situation, can actually be that slightly more objective when it comes to thinking about solutions, strategies and ideas as well that they can offer. And asking questions perhaps they hadn't Absolutely. thought about. I mean, so ultimately it's about inclusion. It's it's not about um, sort of putting pe parents up in that feel, feeling that they sometimes have, you know, that they're, they're the ones being watched because they've got to leave at three or, Definitely. You know. And so often parents say that what they are looking for is not to be treated as a special case. They don't want to stand out for special treatment. Yeah. And, and that really resonates with the managers as well because I think one of the big um, challenges that managers will often articulate is the sense of fairness them wanting to be able to treat everybody that they're managing with what works best for them as an individual and not feel that the people who aren't parents, for example, don't have other caring responsibilities, feel that they're getting a raw deal yeah. um, because yeah. of that. And the parent doesn't want that either in that team dynamic. No. Um, so I think that's, that's a really important point. Well, they just want it to work, don't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. That's, that's the key. So, I mean, this leads me on to my next question. That You've obviously talked about flexibility, which I think is an absolute key you know, a key yeah, thing. Definitely. But, you know, what for you are the, the, the fundamental things that organisations need to do to sort of successfully embrace this more agile and inclusive working experience? Well, sort of building on that last point, that concept of introducing, um, whether it's agile working, flexible working, whatever terminology you want to use, by 
looking at that and addressing that as something that is open to all employees, you are taking away that sort of special treatment stigma, idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's about everybody being able to look at what they need in their life, whether it's a sporting pursuit they have, they might be involved in volunteering, they may just want a, you know, a day to do something completely different that's not work-related. Um, that, it not being all about caring responsibilities... It's hugely powerful. Um, that also helps the culture shift because it isn't about special treatment for one particular group. It is about the inclusion piece. And it's about that wider work-life integration, which absolutely. everybody is so hot on now yeah, because absolutely. we all want work yeah. and life, don't we? Um, <laughs> the works. Absolutely. I mean, interestingly, I was with a group of working mums um, just last week and they were talking about this, you know, how the introduction and the uptake of agile working in their organisation has worked really well and is really becoming prevalent. Um, however, what they were noting is that the graduate population who are coming in now have very different demands and requests around work and how they see that fitting in to their life and the other aspirations they have and I think historically those of us who've been in the workplace for some time maybe thought oh yes once they arrive in the workplace then they'll realize what it's all about <laughs> but the reality is they're not shifting and they they are in you know a large group that are, are not shifting in that mentality in terms of what they want um, and the the working mums I was with were saying actually do you know what maybe we should be taking a leaf out of their book because you know they are challenging the hours that they're expected to work um, the fact that you know these are people who don't have in the main the caring responsibilities we associate with parents they're much younger much earlier in their career um, and it's interesting that they're not it seems as motivated by the things traditionally that people made an assumption around progression or money, for yeah. example. Scrabbling to the top of them. Absolutely. Yeah, at the cost of anything. Yeah. I mean, so actually the critical mass of millennials could end up being the working parent's best friend. Well, indeed. Maybe. And they could end up being the that sort of catalyst from the bottom that helps move this forward. Um, I mean, in terms of going back to your point about what organisations need to be doing, you know, we would always say that you absolutely need that buy-in at the top level. You really do, because this is ultimately is about shifting a culture, typically. Um, if you think about it, it's all very well to put training in place, to put um, various structures and policies in place. They are absolutely critical and they are parts of the jigsaw that you need. But unless there is that attitude shift, then you're on a hiding to nothing. It just becomes an initiative which... Yeah. live for a certain length of time and then die off yeah absolutely well I mean I, I you know I had written this question uh, you know which is a good time to ask is it is it attitude first then that and then new structures and trainings and systems um well I suppose from our perspective we see them very much having to work in tandem I think you know you can't it's very difficult to start moving those attitudes forwards if you haven't got those policies in place so an organization really needs to be looking at this in the full picture um, you can't go in and start, start tinkering with one part of it without the other bits being there to support it. Um, so, yeah, from our perspective, attitudes probably got to be, the discussion has got to be there at the top level that this is what commercially they have recognised absolutely is the way forward. So if they are interested in ensuring that they are absolutely the top of their game around retention, around progression for both males and females, um, around engagement, um, also around things like um, attraction and, and, you know, how that looks in the wider industry. And once they have bought into the fact that it's a bit of a no-brainer to be looking at things like agile working and flexible working to get them ahead in the market, then 
that's when you need to make sure that you've got all those other pieces of the jigsaw in place so you can start cascading that down. But that's where it's interesting about the, the point about the millennials. If you're going to get that push from the bottom as well, maybe that is the catalyst we need. Who knows? Maybe. And an unexpected one as well. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. Or, and it hasn't been contrived. That's what's no. so interesting. That is a generation who've come through with a very different view on what they expect and actually that ultimately could be the thing that's needed so you maybe you've got that sandwich effect with currently you've got a lot of the working parents sort of in, in around that middle management piece at the moment yeah and I, I mean and also one presumes perhaps a lot of parents in leadership roles now so mm. maybe that again is a critical mass that's helping to change things yeah obviously we're not assuming everybody in leadership roles has children but a lot of them probably do because of, of the age, age band, really. So, I mean, that's quite interesting. We sort of asked, answered this question, but I just wanted to to, to, to say, you know, if, if people aren't having those discussions mm. and if the business isn't evolving these types of attitudes, mm. can, can we actually say that they are behind the curve and less productive as a result? Well, I think, I mean, already we know that different studies have been coming out recently um, that have talked about how productivity and turnover can be directly impacted if you look at this. Um, you know, just a couple of lovely examples have come out in the media recently where you've got um, a design agency, another marketing agency, so similar industry, where they've actually moved to a four-day week. So for all staff, moved right. to a four-day week. Um, I think with both of them, it's Friday. They've opted to be the non-work day. Um, what they are, they're getting paid the same, that they haven't reduced their um, their salaries to right. a four-day salary. Um, and they've also, one of them has also embraced term time working as a model that they can extend along to both mothers and fathers. Um, both of them have reported their turnover has gone up significantly, as has their productivity. I mean, one of them specifically said it had peaked at 38%, but is levelling off around 30% increase in productivity wow um, and they don't see themselves ever going back to a five-day <laughs> week what a lovely employer i mean again it seems a bit of a no-brainer doesn't it Flock mm. to an employer that paid you the same for a four-day week and you would feel motivated yeah. um you touched on uh working mothers and fathers yes. and i do want to speak about this because yep. as we've said a lot uh, of times historically the onus has been on working mothers mm. um I read something quite interestingly a while back about, you know, shared parental leave and the effect uh, that it might be have in terms of being able to close the gender pay gap and change attitudes. Because even though we've made great strides, I think there's still that slight sense that if a child is ill or, you know, if there's an emergency, the woman defaults mm -hmm. to being the one who picks up the... the the slack. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, I mean, you run programs for both. Um, what are the difference in, in the content and aims and why? Um, well, what's quite, what's quite interesting is I would say that the gap is narrowing in terms of the differences. And part of that, I think, is because men's role and the des desire to be more actively involved in families is increasing. Um, however, I think where there's the rub with um, our current work environment is we still very much our jobs are essentially designed around our traditional family roles, um, working Monday to Friday, I yeah. want to say nine to five, but I think very few people have <laughs> the luxury of nine to five anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, but that sort of traditional um, format of work doesn't actually fit now with what families are looking for, particularly when both parents are looking to actively be involved at home. Um, in terms of thinking about um, some of the differences, um, I've just started working with... Um, uh, a group of fathers in a large organisation who've all taken shared parental leave. Um, there's been plenty of press to say that the uptake hasn't been as much as we would have hoped, um, but this group, they've all take, um, 
way beyond that two weeks statutory paternity leave. And one of the real benefits that they articulate at the end of that very first session, because we worked with them for five sessions, um, was the relief in the room of being able to talk very openly about the challenges they face in their shared work context, actually what it's like, you know, some of the challenges at home. Um, they've all got partners who also have returned to work. They made very conscious decisions as a couple that they would share the parental leave because both of them had, you know, whether it's career aspirations or um, recognised what they got out of work and yes. wanted that balance between the two. And I think they're all very honest about there are very few forums where they feel they can have those sorts of conversations. It's not something they talk about with their mates in the pub. No. Um, and in it's a different... Um, it's a different experience as a man taking shared parental leave from something that traditionally has been done by the woman. So, I mean, two questions for that. Why, why do you think the uptake isn't uh, great? So, great, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting. I think part of it is where the policy got to. Now, from an HR perspective, and that's not my area of expertise, my, under, my expertise, sorry, my understanding is that it's not the, the simplest piece of legislation to, to orchestrate. Um, and it's had differing impacts in different industries. So in some industries, they have very much embraced it and they've made sure that the policies they have around um, paternity and shared parental leave match the policies they have for maternity. Um, in other organisations, they've maybe had to look at reducing their maternity policy in order to be able to allow the same thing for their fathers. Um, so it's very varied in terms of how it's implemented. Um, I think the other thing that has meant the uptake maybe... Has, there's two things. There's partly a bit about knowledge and understanding. So when we run um, a father's group for dads who've only taken, I say only, but have taken statutory, so the two weeks. When we talk about shared parental leave in terms of was this something you were aware of, I would still say at least 50% in the room will not have heard of it, even though they are right in the, the target audience, as you can imagine. Um, the, so there's a bit about an awareness piece. I think the other bit that um, where we look at countries where it's been more successful, so often in Scandinavia, for example, there are dedicated periods of parental leave, which is a sort of use it or lose it for fathers. So the, fa the father has to take it. He can't give it to the mother to take, for example. Um, and that's something that the government here decided not to do. Um, so the current policy essentially gives the women 50 weeks. She has to take the first two. Um, but then following 50 weeks, it's at her, her choice ultimately to give some of that up to right. her partner. Ah, OK. Um, and so... I think the thing that would potentially move the dial in terms of the uptake, if we look at countries where it has been successful, is more around saying a section of that is only for the father. Is ring-fenced for yes. the father. And actually, perhaps that would have an impact as well, I imagine, on attitudes in business, because Absolutely. there's still that, that, that sense, I would imagine, in some businesses that, you know, maybe they shouldn't take that much leave yeah you know you almost need it mandated to move it forward to become inclusive and yeah. then you know become scandinavian as they, <laughs> they yeah. held up as the the you know the paragon yeah. of this i think yeah um i mean in terms of the programs that you run for for women mm. what would you say that the the key things that that uh the women in business that you speak to uh come forward with and what do they get out of the programs so i think one of the big things is that many of the, the organisations we're working with are high-performing organisations. Um, therefore, 
by virtue of that, you have individuals who um, have invariably succeeded at most things they've, they've, they've done in the past. Um, they are used to certainly having a reputation of, you know, things going well, doing a great job and so on in their organisation. And suddenly some of them will find themselves in a situation where actually this is difficult um, and they maybe aren't feeling as comfortable or as confident, particularly after a period of time out of the workplace. So if they've taken six to 12 months out, been fully immersed in bringing up a small baby, coming back into the workplace, often they talk about their confidence, but also their competence around their job, having been hit during that time. Interesting. And actually coming back into a workplace where you have a great reputation, a lot of them would see it as career limiting to say, do you know what, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. Um, and getting them into a safe environment in a group with other working mothers who will openly talk about where they found things a challenge, but equally where they've had some successes, where you know things are working well or not so well, actually that can take a huge pressure off thinking, this is just me. Um, Often some of the women talk about it's a bit like coming into work when you're first back after a maternity leave, like a swan. So you're trying to project this beautiful, <laughs> you know, everything I've got yes. it all under control, whereas underneath the surface you're paddling madly. Um, and just knowing that there are other people who you have that same perception of, oh my goodness, they've all got it under control, actually being very open about do you know what? We're going through a really tough time at the moment because of X, Y, and Z. Um, that whole normalising of the experience is hugely valuable. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, reducing the isolation uh, is, you know, is one of the ways that I think we also change attitudes because people feel more that they have people on their side and they can yeah. speak up. Um, I just want to, to ask one final question, really. Uh, how much further have we got to go? You know, what still needs to change and how will we get there? I say it's one final question. That's a million questions. <laughs> but... Um, there's always work to do. And I mean, if I first of all sort of think about different industries that we work with, um, they are in very different places. You will get some industry sectors who are much further along the journey around embracing agile and flexible working, which has that very positive impact on working parents um, versus other um, cultures in, in industries which are much more traditional still um, and really are maybe exploring the idea of this, but aren't there in terms of actually embracing it. Um, Recently, the, there's been a, a new Working Families Index report that's come out for 2018. And I thought one of the interesting proposals they had was saying that the UK really needs a flexible working revolution um, and really recognising that so often flexible working is a very individual arrangement. Yes. It's that one conversation between an individual and their manager rather than being something that's widely embraced. And all too frequently, those one-off arrangements are for mothers. So in many cultures, in certain industries, you will still see the perception is that flexible working is to support a working mother, not to support everybody. So there is absolutely things to be done. Um, those industries who are embracing this and, and have seen you know, those great advantages around productivity and turnovers, the commercial reasons, as well as what it's like to work in that kind of organisation in terms of how that helps their attraction, how it their retention. We work with Deloitte very closely. I was going to say, and you um, reduced their um, post-maternity attrition from 19.4% to 8.3%. Exactly. That's so extraordinary. A commercial <laughs> win, exactly. And I mean, those percentages were even higher when they sort of cut the data by seniority. Um, the cost that it is to replace somebody who is a senior manager or a director um, 
is you are absolutely saving dividends and and people you know we know now from ons data we are having our children later um by virtue of that that means for an organization we're more valuable whether that's in terms of how much it costs to replace us but almost how much much has been invested in us the quality of the relationships we hold whether that's externally with clients or internally so again the the savings that can be made um means there are huge commercial drivers around this as well as this being the right thing to do Fantastic. Thank you, Debs. This has been an absolutely fascinating chat. And thank you all for joining us as well on this Every Woman podcast. And we look forward to continuing the conversation with you next time. Don't forget, in the meantime, there's a wealth of information, interest and further talking points on the Every Woman network and app if you want to access on the move. So until we meet again, have a great day and keep on living your best life. Mm